0: The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Hey, it's the second hour of Pure Opelka, how did that happen? The first hour went, just zoomed by. I hope, uh, I hope your day's going well. I hope your week is kicking off well. There's a, there's a lot to discuss today. And an hour from now, we're going to talk to um, our friend, Dr. Wendy Patrick. And I, I have gotten word. I, I don't think it's going to be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be when Wednesday. Or as the nuns used to say, Wednesday. to remind us of how it is spelled. It's Wednesday. It could be Wednesday that we speak to Scotty Mullen. He's the author, the screenwriter of Sharknado 5. It's a little kooky, right? This show covers the politics and some of the pop culture and just some stories that are so bizarre. It's it's only because I, I care about them that we cover it. I don't know if I'm going to get into this Star Wars resort they opened at Disney. I, I, I really don't think if I'm going to go on vacation. First of all, I'm past the whole theme park vacation thing. And look, Disney, Disney is great. As a matter of fact, today, today we should talk about Disney a little bit. Glenn Beck is a huge Disney fan. In case you did not know, or you just got here on the spaceship that brought James Carville back from wherever he's been for the last year or so. But in case you didn't know, Glenn Beck, gigantic Walt Disney fan. And what's not to love about Walt Disney, the entrepreneur, because Glenn, Glenn has learned a lot of things from Mr. Disney and, and Walt's early days. But years ago, years ago, I picked up a book called Behind the Ears. And behind the ears is a—it's a fascinating turn on the on the Disney Empire. And if you haven't seen behind the ears on the bookshelf, it it might not show up in your in your library. But if you if you seek it out, if you're a person who wants to know about the early days of something, uh, behind the ears is not exactly a tell-all about. Uh, the early days of Disneyland, but it is, um, it's a little bit of that. It's by a guy named David Koenig. K O E N K O E N I G. And I'm sure there's a million different pronunciations of it. I bring this up today, the book Mouse Tales, a behind the ears look at Disneyland. I bring it up today because. Today's the anniversary in 1955 of the opening of Disneyland. And in the book, Mouse Tales, you will find some really interesting stuff about that opening day. And it's something in there, as we love history on this show, history teaches us important lessons. There's something that happened on that day that I think is so amazing, so astounding that you should learn from it. Walt Disney was setting up this um, this theme park, this gigantic park that he was opening in California. And it was going to be the happiest place on Earth. Right. And they had they had set the date and it's with many different things. Construction falls off in one area, picks up in another. They had a bunch of things they had to get done, but they were trying to get everything ready the word was out the date was set the invitations had been sent it was going to be treated like one of the great media events of all time in fact walt disney wanted the disneyland opening the grand opening which was really meant for most of the cognoscenti in hollywood and showbiz to show up so they can get the beautiful people there and so he he said we're going to do a live broadcast a televised grand opening a three-hour TV show now think of somebody doing a three-hour TV show for the opening of a theme park today it wouldn't happen it wouldn't it would be a half an hour maybe an hour and maybe there was an award ceremony going on inside but no this was a three-hour because Disney was expecting a parade of celebrities to come by And they were all going to be stopping by and interviewed by his host, the late Art Linkletter. Art Linkletter was the guy behind a television show that probably most of us remember. Kids say the darndest things. He also was a brilliant businessman. Disney came to Art Linkletter in 1955 and said, look, I'm opening my theme park. I want you to host the opening, but I don't have any money. We're, we're barely making it. You know, we, we're scrimping and saving wherever we can. We don't have a lot of money. I can pay you 500 bucks. And he said, I know that's, that's nothing. That would be union scale, SAG scale, Screen Actors Guild scale for a three-hour live TV show. Nothing along the lines of what Art, Art Linkletter would normally command to do this. Probably a zero or two missing from what he would normally want. So Art Linkletter said, let me think about it. Looked at the, the overall opportunity. And he came up with a brilliant idea. He said to Walt Disney, I'll do the job for 500 bucks, but I want, I want the film concession for Disneyland in perpetuity. Now, just think about that. I know what you're saying, but we don't use film anymore. No, we don't. But the, the digital photography uh, turn, the shift in that paradigm in photography was decades away, was 50 years in the offing. Think about it. People would buy, people would come to the happiest place on earth, see the magic kingdom, have to take pictures of the little ones in front of Cinderella's castle, in front of Tomorrowland, in front of the uh, everything that was there. It was a brilliant move. And to this day, it is often referred to as the highest paying job hosting a television show in the history of show business. It made Art Letter multiple millions of dollars. And so every time I come across a business deal and every time somebody says to me, well, you know, we're a startup. We don't have a lot going on here. You always have to look and say, okay, I respect the fact that they want my talent. And I understand that there are issues in terms of economics that can't be, can't be solved here. But is there something else we can do? Art Linkletter hosted the opening of Disneyland on this date in 1955 in Anaheim, California. And he got paid $500 for the three hours work he did hosting that live show. By the way, Linkletter also brought with him another young Hollywood star. Who got the $500 payment as well? But I don't think he got the same deal Linkletter got. A young guy named Ronald Reagan was also a co host that day. But Linkletter's thinking and taking a moment to say, what else can we do here? ended up giving him a fantastic reward going forward. And everybody won. Disney won. Linkletter won and even Ronald Reagan won. There are stories, there are legendary stories about the opening of Disneyland that day. There were were problems getting everything ready. They had to choose whether or not they were going to get the concession stands built or they were going to get the water fountains built or they were going to get the bathrooms built. Disney chose to make sure they had the bathrooms up and running and the plumbing there and said let 's skip the water fountains because people will be able to buy a cold drink and there are some who suspected disney and and incorrectly suspected Disney intentionally held the uh water fountains from being installed so so he could make sure to sell cold drinks no, that wasn 't the reality that's been I think that story's been shot down a few times, but the other thing that happened <laughs> And this is why uh, holograms are so important today. They printed up a number of invitations to get celebrities there, and they had them delivered to every major studio and major agency and to all the big names in show business and their staffs to say, bring your kids. And there was no way to prevent those invitations from being duplicated. And there was no watermarking on them. So guess what happened? The opening of Disneyland was overrun with about five times as many people as invitations. But in the end, it was it was a win because the park looked like it was the happiest place on earth with the biggest crowd on earth. 1955, Anaheim, California. If you want to read more about Disney, some interesting things. I thought it was going to be kind of a nasty tell-all book, and it isn't. Uh, David coning or caning uh the book is mouse tales a behind the ears look at disneyland it's fascinating it's out on kindle you can probably if you're smart and you go to the amazon.com and you click off the one that says help mercury one which i do uh, there are there are 92 used copies of this book for a dollar so you can get a copy of it you can pay full price for a copy or you can get a used copy for a dollar. I think the story's still the same in the used copies, unless somebody went in and changed it. Uh, that's a little bit of history on today. And I think it's important because the lesson I learned is always look at the deal from the other side, not necessarily from the person who's offering it to you, but from the side looking in it, both sides, to see if maybe there isn't something else that can benefit you. In the end, Art letter. One of the biggest winners at the opening of Disneyland. And he just had to work three hours that one day. Stepping aside, when we get back, uh, we'll look at some of the news of the day. Um, th- nobody's paying attention to the story about the, the Russian meeting from the angle of, who was that lawyer? Who was that lady who was, who was in the room? There's, there's a weird part of that story that we have to get into. Plus, oh, uh, I want to do more time travel. We'll do some time travel with the VA. And then uh, just around the corner after the bottom of the hour, Debbie Lee is joining us with a story that really got me angry. I'll share that with you uh, in just a little bit. I'm Pure Opelka.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka
1: on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Pure Opelka. on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Around the corner from a discussion and uh, a sort of an interesting topic with our friend Debbie Lee um, from America's Mighty Warrior Foundation. Um, we keep in touch with Debbie because of the great work she does. And uh, Debbie is Debbie's just amazing. You, we'll get into that. Uh, I also want to remind you if you're looking for life insurance, uh, we have a brand new sponsor here. Very happy about our association with this uh, brand new sponsor, HealthIQ.com. If you go to HealthIQ.com Blaze, you're going to find something new in life insurance. And it's something they created, they're fighting for, and that's to get better life insurance rates based on your health consciousness and how you live your life. It used to be just your age and your gender and the insurance companies got lazy and they put in the factors. But these guys went, hold on a second, there's a whole bunch of people out there who are trying to be smart about their lives. They don't smoke, they don't drink, or they drink a little or they run or whatever. Can you imagine getting a better rate on life insurance because your mile time is faster than the average? Or that you are out there walking every day or you eat a healthy lifestyle? Uh, in terms of your consumption, in terms of uh, better, better ideas on, on what you're eating? Yeah, it's possible. So go to healthiq.com blaze, take the quiz, then follow through and say, I want to get the free estimate. That's what I'm doing right now. We're around the corner on the final step that I'm going through, and it, everything should be good. Then I will get a great rate through a major carrier. So check them out. You're looking for life insurance at a great rate. Major carrier, HealthIQ.com/slash/blaze, helping health-conscious people get great rates. HealthIQ.com/slash/blaze. Oh boy, I said I wanted to do some time travel, didn't I? I said I wanted to, um, I wanted to, I wanted to go back in time like a hundred years ago and look at the the VA hospitals 100 years ago there's so many people doing these 100 year back in time things because I think wasn't this the uh, 100th anniversary of the birth of JFK something like that so the President Kennedy would have been 100 what's it let's go to uh, let's go to what conditions were like at a VA hospital just outside of Boston and the town of Manchester, New Hampshire, not far. Because, you know, up, up in the northeast there, once you get outside of New York, once you get up past Connecticut there, uh, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, they're all kind of smushed up there together. It's kind of one big smushy mess. Well, if, if you were to stop by 100 years ago at the Department of Veteran Affairs Hospital, the, the one they would look at as a four star hospital, you would have found that one of the operating rooms had to have been shut down, abandoned, because the exterminators couldn't get rid of the flies. That's how bad it was. Doctors would have to cancel surgeries in one of the other operating rooms because they discovered what appeared to be rust or blood on two sets of surgical instruments that were supposed to be sterile. Boy, can you imagine? Can you imagine that being the reality? All the patients, and, and, you know, we still had lots of veterans that were funneling through the system trying to get help. Thousands of them. It is the Northeast, after all. You know, the, the place where we have great hospitals and great medical care, but in this V.A. hospital in Manchester, New Hampshire, just, I think it's about 40 or 50 miles outside of Boston. These patients had still then life-threatening conditions, struggling to get care because the program for setting up appointments and connecting to outside specialists had been broken down. One guy was trying to see a cancer doctor this spring more than four weeks after they diagnosed him as having liver cancer. And when the patients there at the Manchester Veterans Affairs Medical Center are referred to outside specialists, those doctors sometimes were stunned by the condition and and their medical history. A neurosurgeon said some of these patients suffered needless spinal damage, including paralysis, because the hospital didn't give them proper treatment for a condition called cervical myop- myelopathy. This, this condition at this VA hospital in Manchester, some of the doctors said it's, it's only in third world countries do we see patients like this end up disabled. And this was from one doctor at New England Baptist Hospital telling the VA. Only it wasn't 2017 or 1917, as I hinted. This is going on right now. This is just one facility that is now in the spotlight. One facility, supposed to be one of the better VA hospitals in the country, one of the VA hospitals that gets a four-star rating, one of the VA hospitals that is supposed to be there to take care of the men and women who gave up their lives to fight for our freedoms. They come back broken, and what do we give them? We give them operating rooms that have to be shut down and abandoned because of the flies. Surgeries canceled. We're going to talk about the VA. We're going to talk to um, Debbie Lee in the break. The story I read you is from today, not from a hundred years ago. It's time for all of us to stand up and demand great care for our vets. We'll be right back. You're listening to
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I'm I'm not happy. I am uh, I'm officially unhappy about something I read this weekend. And if you were just listening and you heard the story I read you initially telling you it was from a VA hospital in the Northeast from 1917, and then I revealed that in fact it is a 2017 story about a VA hospital that actually has... An operating room closed because even exterminators can't get rid of the flies. Another operating room regularly shut down because it has rusty instruments or instruments that still have blood on them. It is infuriating. And then I I get an email from a friend, somebody I just, I cannot even say enough nice things about her. And I'm going to just give you a little bit of the email and then we'll talk with, with our friend Debbie Lee. Several weeks ago, veteran Eric Bivens reached out to us, meaning America's Mighty Warriors, via email for help with his PTSD and getting hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatments. Something that's kind of important. Debbie says, we replied to his emails, told him we'd be glad to help. He was scheduled to start his treatment August 2nd at the Rocky Mountain Hyperbaric Center. Ironic that date, is August 2nd, which is when Debbie's son, Mark, died in combat, the first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq, Mark Lee, a hero. Debbie didn't hear back anything until Wednesday when, when Eric's wife called, told him that her husband had committed suicide. She was trying to get the hyperbaric treatments for her husband's friend that he had served with. And now Debbie's mission is to try and connect with them to help get that hyperbaric treatment for them as well. The the story about the VA irritates me, the one up in New Hampshire, only because we've known about the problems with the VA for over 4 years now. The story about Eric Bivens breaks my heart. And that's why I asked Debbie on a Monday to join us because we can't stop talking about this, Debbie. We have to continue this fight and i'm 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 happy you're here because i will always always make room for you but this really it it burns me and breaks my heart at the same time
2: yeah you know when i got the call i was um so i had mixed emotions i was hurt because we lost another one of our veterans that we have been fighting so hard for and that there's things that can help them and can, you know, help them cope with life. If it's TBI, it's actually healing the brain. And then when she told me that he had taken his own life because he had lost all hope, he was excited about the hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatments, he felt like he had hope and there was something that was going to help him. They had researched it. They had seen copies of different brain scans for those that had been helped. And when he went to the VA, um, and I had attached videos of, of that, of other issues that she'd had. There had been a bunch of botched surgeries. There were uh, misdiagnosis, disrespect. That, that is not acceptable for our men and women who have served. And they finally had to go to the chief of staff at the hospital, the VA hospital in Tennessee. And she said that was one of the first times they got a thorough um, Exam from a doctor and they said he was very nice and um, Actually went deeper than any of the other doctors had gone and her husband had shared how excited He was that he was going to be getting this hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatment and that he was going to be starting August 2nd And the doctor told him that stuff is a waste of your time. They're just trying to steal your money He said there's no purpose. It won't help and um, how dare him? How dare him steal the hope from this veteran? And he left there. His wife said that is exactly how he felt that he had lost all hope. This was the last thing that they felt could provide some help for them. And um, had not had anything to drink for 18 months, and the next day started drinking, went on a binge, um, had abused some of his prescription um drugs that the VA had given him as well and ended up taking his life. And I feel that doctor there has this young man's blood on his hands that, you know, obviously he has PTSD and he's struggling. And when we make a decision to end our life, that's, you know, that's a, a personal choice. You've made that choice. But he pushed him off the edge by telling him that this was that there was nothing that would come out of it that he wasn't going to see any different he wouldn't see any improvement over the last four years we have worked with doctors across the united states to provide the hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatment which is what we call hbot for over 30 of our veterans and every one of them has seen improvements um, at different levels but all of them have seen improvements i talked with uh, a SEAL just a couple of weeks ago that had gone through the treatment. And unfortunately, he was coping with another friend of his who had committed suicide. And I called just to check on him because those are difficult times. Uh, my husband committed suicide 23 years ago. So we've lived through this. And as I talked to him, um, he was moved that I would call and check on him but he said i would not have been able to survive losing my friend if i had not just completed the treatments and felt mm. so much better emotionally and physically
1: and here's this is so so troubling to me especially in in the face of the the information that you have and i don't know why this information is not available to these va doctors Then to say that the VA is not going to pay for the treatment, that it's not only going to deny the coverage, but it's also going to tell you it's not going to do anything when we've seen it. And especially with, with traumatic brain injuries, as you know, Debbie, but maybe some of the folks listening don't know, everyone is as different as a snowflake. Everyone, every brain is affected differently by a traumatic brain injury, and yet A hyperbaric oxygen treatment, as Debbie called it, the HBOT, it's showing positive results. And who are who are these doctors to deny the people who created the 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 security for them to have this job? It's so disturbing. Now, your group, your group, America's Mighty Warrior Foundation, does help these these families because now we have a, a widow, and uh, two daughters, 10 and 12, yes, that are now without daddy. Even though daddy was struggling, daddy was there. And yeah. that's important. And now I, I, my heart is breaking for this family and my anger is boiling at the same time.
2: Yeah, those mixed emotions that are there are what I went through. When I got off the phone with her, I was doing circles. I was pacing in my house. I was angry, and I knew I needed to vent, and I needed somebody to talk to, and I called another neurologist, um, Dr. Henricks, who we work closely with. She's um, in Tucson and does the hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatment. And um, same thing, she was just disgusted. How could this doctor have told him that? Um, obviously, he's not knowledgeable about it. Part of the problem is they're taking research that was done um, it's like comparing oranges and apples. You're never going to find anything that's exactly the same. It's hard with hyperbaric. It's not like it's a pill where you can do a placebo and say, okay, here's a sugar pill for you. Here's a you know, regular pill that we're testing, and here's the results that happened. Um, there is research currently being done. Dr. Harch uh, down at Louisiana State University is the leading researcher on this and has done uh, numerous studies, and he's just completing another one where they did put some of our veterans in. They didn't know that they weren't, you know, getting uh, the oxygen in their treatments. And, um, I mean, these studies have been going on for years. I met with VA uh, Secretary Shulkin. I was in the White House on June 5th and got to speak to him briefly about the bot and what we're doing. And he said that, you know, when he first got to the office, and he mentioned bot. you know, all the doctors and everybody around him were no, 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 And And um, he actually reached out to uh, those who've done the most studies actually in Israel, and he reached out to them and spoke with them, and he said that um, he didn't, you know, he wasn't to the place where he said, let's jump on board, let's make this happen. But he was open to listening about it. He wasn't closed-minded like a lot of these doctors you know, have been. And I think it's so important to get the word out. Just like this widow, when she was calling me, she wasn't calling for sympathy. She wasn't calling for help for herself. She called because some of her husband's buddies that he had served with that were at the funeral, and she knew they were struggling with TPA pts and tbi and that they needed help and so she was calling me to say can we help them i know this will help and you know of course i said yes you know put me in connection with them and we will get them set up we'd like to try to put them um in areas uh, it's 40 treatments they go for a treatment every day they're in the chamber for an hour every day Mm. so it it helps to have them close to you know a doctor close to them where they live so many of our veterans have been you know at Walter Reed, at Bethesda, done numerous surgeries over and over and away from their families, and we need to try to, you know, restore these family units and keep them intact. So we try to do that as a first choice. We do work with Rocky Mountain Hyperbaric, where Eric was scheduled to go. Um, that's an in-house where you go to Colorado for the two months. Uh, Dr. Hart, if he still has slots open down there in Louisiana State for that research study. There's another clinic that's an in-house, one in Florida, but... We try to find a doctor close to them that's providing that for PTS and TBI. And people need to know that are listening, please, please, please reach out to our foundation. It's AmericasMightyWarriors.org. Let us help you and get you set up in the hyperbaric. We're also doing hormone therapy, vitamin therapy. Uh, We work with a boot camp type place called Mighty Oaks. So there's a combination of numerous things that we can do to help our vets with PTS and TBI. Um, you know, it's you I can't tell you how many but, veterans I've worked with that come I home know. and show you, me the you beat.
1: are I I'm sure you have a clone at this point. You are I don't know where you get the energy or the time, but you are you're remarkable on every level, Debbie Lee. But everybody, write this down. America's AmericasMightyWarriors.org, uh, Debbie Lee who whose family gave us the freedoms with Mark Lee giving his life for this nation. He's a hero. We'll remember him August 2nd. If you can think in your, in, in your day to say a prayer for this foundation, if you have time to support the foundation, if you got a couple shekels, or if you need the help, let, let America's Mighty Warrior Foundation help you. Debbie, I, I will always open the airwaves here for you and what you're doing this, this just burns me, and you know I'm there with you all the time, every time. Don't ever hesitate, please.
2: Thank you, Mike. We appreciate your support so much.
1: Thank you. God bless, and uh, we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. By the way, um, next hour, Dr. Wendy joins us, as she does every Monday. We'll talk the politics. You can also join the show, 888 900 Did you see the story about Ann Coulter getting uh, her upgraded preferred seat taken away from her by Delta Airlines I you know I would have been as mad as Ann Coulter too I don't know if I would have been as publicly angry as Ann Coulter I might have tried a little bit more honey and a little less vinegar but Ann Coulter has made a bazillion dollars doing what she does so I guess we have to give her the benefit of the doubt after all it's worked out so great right it, the Delta probably responded immediately, right? And said, oh, Ann, let us give you a, a large cash settlement. No, that's not what happened. After Ann's tirade, her Twitter tirade, Delta responded and said, um, we're going to refund you the $30 you paid to upgrade your seat. Now, I, I, I get it totally. Ann Coulter's tall. She wanted the extra legroom. And so she paid for it. And then Delta screwed her out of it. I'm certainly not rushing to get on a Delta flight anytime soon. I agree with her on this. But at least, Ann, at least you weren't on the plane that landed at Raleigh Durham Airport, reportedly landed at Raleigh Durham Airport, and forced all the passengers to get off the plane because. A past gas situation forced the evacuation. This out of uh, the uh, WBTV.com website, news on your side. All the passengers taken off a plane after the incident was investigated and determined determined that a passenger, quote, passed gas. (laughs) I'm sorry, but if you've got... What do they call this? TF? Terminal flatulence? That they're actually going to clear a plane for you? It wasn't Delta. It was American Airlines. And officials on Sunday night said the plane had an odor issue. But they're denying it was past gas. I'm just saying. Airlines are getting to be a very, very strange place these days. (laughs) We'll be right back. I hope
0: Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.